Welcome, rock and rollers, to another episode of the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast, recorded just off Abbey Road here in northwest central London. And on our 13th episode, kind of an ominous number, we are going to tackle an ominous band who actually released an album called 13, and that's Black Sabbath. Though we're not going to tackle the classic lineup of Ozzy Osbourne, Tony Iommi, Geezer Butler, and Bill Ward, we're instead going to focus on the Ronnie James Dio years. At the end of the 70s, when Ozzy and the band were burned out on drugs, alcohol, and each other, in came Ronnie James Dio, who had minor success in a band called Elf, caught the eye of Richie Blackmore of Deep Purple fame, who then founded Rainbow and made him his lead singer. And in Rainbow, they really made some great heavy rock and roll. So when Sabbath was in need of a new singer, they dialed up Ronnie James Dio, the diminutive American, with the extraordinary voice. And from it, they produced two most classic heavy metal, hard rock, Black Sabbath albums ever, Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules in 1980 and 81. And I've fallen in love with these records. These are two that not only do I play back-to-back together all the time, but they're go-tos for me. Barely a couple weeks ever go by without me listening to these. And on the first one, it was still basically the same original Sabbath band. Tony Iommi on guitar, Geezer Butler on bass, and Bill Ward on the drums, with Ronnie coming in to sing. Then on the next one, Mob Rules, Bill had run his course, and they brought in Vinnie Apice to play with him, which gave him a nice, fast, heavy sound again. Uh, And Mob Rules and the subsequent live album, Live Evil, are classics. And these albums allowed them to tour together again in the early part of this century, in the 2006, 7, 8, 9 range. They got to tour as Heaven and Hell and revisit these songs. I got to see them a couple of times, and boy, am I glad I did, because these songs are fantastic. They deserve to be played. They deserve to be heard, and that's why we're going to celebrate them here today. So let's get into it. Let's dive in and get to know more about Ronnie James Dio's time in Black Sabbath here on The Wolf. Pantheon Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. All right, and I want to ask you, Jackson, Action Jackson, when did you get into, or how did you discover the Ronnie James Dio era of Black Sabbath? I think I always... I always knew it was there, but grew up with Ozzy Osbourne, you know, the original Black Sabbath. I was riding in the car with my brother-in-law, minding my own business, right? Mm-hmm. Just, we were going to play golf or something. Paranoid or something comes on the radio, and he said, you know what, you're probably going to hate me for this, but... I'm a much bigger fan of Dio. And I said, well, that's interesting because I always kind of thought that was the Dio was kind of like the afterthought, right? Like you started off, band went in separate ways, and now, you know, you picked up another guy. 
But then I started to really listen to it, and I'm like, uh, sorry, Ozzy, but Dio is just, I mean, the, the vocals that he delivers are spectacular. And I actually saw a clip of him singing for, what was it? What was the Jack Black movie? Tenacious D. Mm-hmm. Remember, he was he was in that for like two seconds, and he had a song, but the, but the clip was him recording it. And to see him belting it out in the in the recording studio, and to see the look on Jack Black's face to say, "This guy," I mean, yeah, that's that's exactly the look right there. Like, the, the, <gasps> I can't believe because you think you can't be real. This little dude can't produce, can produce that much sound. Yeah, he can. His range is amazing. astounding. It really is. And it's just the, the, when you listen to these records, the vocals are just so much more intense and so much more commanding to back up here for a minute because i did a little bit of research here in defense of ozzy osbourne he was like 12 years old when he he joined the band sure yeah he was young he really he really didn't know what he was doing i don't think the other dudes gave him a whole lot of chance to to really get into it they were like these this song these lyrics now we're recording in 20 minutes go right and then you had Dio who came out of Rainbow. He was older at that point in time. He was a much more seasoned professional. Right. So sure. I think it was just a different vibe. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, and Ozzy, I mean, listen to Iron Man. What's Ozzy doing? You know, he's singing a poem with the guitar. Just, Correct. You know, he's doing his best. He was a good singer in his day. And, uh, but, you know, the range that Dio possesses is really not even the same sport. It changes so dramatically. I mean, it's like, when they moved on from Paul, uh, the guy who preceded Bruce Dickinson in Iron Maiden. Oh, Paul Diano. Paul Diano. When Maiden moved on from Paul Diano to Bruce Dickinson, they went from, eh, they're kind of a punkish heavy metal band. I mean, they were playing better maybe and more notes than the punks. But obviously the attitude's similar and, and he had more of that vibe. But Dickinson changed the game. And I feel that's kind of what Ronnie James Dio did here for Sabbath. Of course, there was a lot of turmoil going on in the world of Sabbath at that time, I guess, when when it all kind of finally came together. But what was created, Heaven and Hell, is an amazing heavy metal hard rock record. It's it's unbelievable from start to finish. There's no clunkers on there. And it's almost like one of those deals where could you almost think of this as a whole new band, like a whole new beginning? Because I know they had a couple, they had a uh, the last at least one or two with Ozzy. Technical uh, ecstasy you know, never, and Never Say Die. Yeah, Never Say Die. Like, that's just kind of all over the map. I think they had kind of really lost their way. They weren't really feeling it anymore. They got rid of Ozzy. So this was a whole, like, a, like okay, stop, take the, you know, erase the chalkboard, start all over again. And you could you can definitely hear it because it does not, Heaven and Hell does not sound like a Black Sabbath, quote-unquote, record. Right. It sounds a lot more hard rocky. It sounds a lot more almost rainbow-ish with Dio coming in. Yeah, and this is 1980, yep. right? I mean, this is when the new wave Correct. of British heavy metal it was going on. And yes, we were just talking about bands like Iron Maiden were coming up. And Rainbow had had success, you know? And there's a lot of bands coming out. And, you know, we're starting to see the beginning of bands like Def Leppard and Out of the States, Van Halen had already taken off. So there was kind of this resurgence of hard rock and, and new kind of heavy metal. And they kind of needed to, to maybe change it up from just the doom and gloom. Although you still have those minor tones all over the album, as you would expect. Um, yeah. There is yeah. something a little sunnier about it. And it's not just satanic. It, <laughs> right? I mean, it's 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 not all doom and gloom. Yes, it's heavy stuff, but it's walk away. is not a, you know, we're all going to hell. Right. Right, and, and that's a that's an interesting point to go into because Heaven and Hell, well, and Mob Rules were both produced by Martin Birch, who Genius. is very famous for doing the Maiden record play. Uh, so, and I was as I was listening to this, I realized that, or I put two and two together. So he was doing Heaven and Hell that came out in April of '80, and so did the first Iron Maiden record. So he had to be working on both of them at the same time. And if you listen to, especially, I, I really got into uh, Die Young from Heaven and Hell. Great that song. sounds like a Maiden song. Like, if you didn't, I'm like, whoa, what are we doing here? That really sounds like he's, he's the two worlds are coming together there. That's an interesting observation. Yeah, I like that. And now that you say it, a song that I love from the era, Falling Off the Edge of the World, definitely seems like something Maiden could have done. Where they kind of start slow, yeah. and then they then they get into the gallop, and they do some sick guitar work in there. And that's that's when I they tagged you off of Mob Rules because I, the beginning of that sounds very Planet Caravan, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, cool. And then it goes into I'm like, wow, that's that's Iron Maiden right there. That is like you said, that's the signature Steve Harris gallop mm-hmm. in there. And so 
I went back and looked. It doesn't say that Birch wrote any of these songs. Like he doesn't get credit for it. But I'm like, come on. He had to have his finger pretty heavily on the production. May have nudged because, him. Yeah. And the thing is, yeah. I don't. I I only have been doing most of the producing. I think since 1971, like since Master Reality, something like that. And then he had always produced it himself since then. So you know, this is a big change. Getting rid of Ozzy, bringing in Dio, getting a real producer for the first time in a long time. Bill Ward's in bad shape, but still they make this killer classic album. It went platinum in the U.S. A heavy metal album from a band that's supposed to be dead went platinum uh, in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, it doesn't, it, like I said, it doesn't really feel like a Sabbath record, but it definitely feels like it's definitely a good record. Like even if you took it everything away from it, I don't know who these people are or anything about this and just listen to it, you'd say, yeah, that's a, that's a solid record. That really sounds good. And you mentioned Martin Birch. Look, man, his track record, he like he went from like Deep Purple Maybe even Fleetwood Mac back in the day, Deep Purple, Rainbow, Black Sabbath during the run of James Dio era, and all of Iron Maiden. And then he kind of retired relatively early. I mean, he could have continued to work with Maiden, maybe, or you know, other great bands. But uh, and you know what? I I saw him the other night years ago. They put out a DVD, Iron Maiden, the early days, part one. They called it part one, as in there's going to be more, right? And it was great. And it talked about how they got started and they're going around in vans and all that kind of stuff, how the lineup changed and blah, 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 through the first few albums. And then there was no number two. But one of the people who follow us, band down in your neck of the woods in Georgia, Whiteside's Daughter, told me, hey, man, it's on their YouTube page. It's on the Iron Maiden YouTube page. So I watched it the other night, and it's kind of through the era that we got into Maiden, you know, in like Power Slave, Seventh Son, and in the middle was Somewhere in Time. Those three, and the big, huge world tours, you would love it, man. So you got to check that out. Yeah, it definitely sounds like, I, I, I think I've seen bits and pieces of that, but yeah, to go back and look at that, that's, that's kind of the sweet spot wheelhouse for us for the maiden years and that's I mean, nothing wrong with them now but it's just that was the that was really when they were on top of the the game well the tour Especially was unbelievable the power slave tour is like 190 dates in 21 countries it's like oh my god they must have killed them on that tour anyway back Absolutely. to Sabbath. but but go okay so but going back to martin birch real quick so he did fleetwood Mac starting on in 1969 he went he did deep purple john lord Wishbone Ash, Rainbow, White Snake, Black Sabbath, Blue Oyster Cult, then into Maiden. And then, I mean, the other artist that he's got to listen to is he, he was an engineer on uh, Jeff Beck's Becky Ola. Oh, God. Uh, you know, <laughs> just, I mean, just a, a guy, if you're not really into Maiden, you may not know that name. But, I mean, he was got himself all over the record industry back, you know, in, in 60s, 70s, into the 80s. Uh, and then I guess he just died in August of this year. Yeah, is what it lists. And so I don't think that. I mean, it looks like the last thing was like he produced Fear of the Dark in '92, and that appears to be the last real big project that he worked on. So yeah, yeah it took some took some time for himself to relax after working nonstop all those years. and making really classic records. So he was definitely yeah. a part of the mix here and kind of bringing Sabbath back to life. I really didn't come to know this version of Sabbath until, as we talked about on episode four on the heavy metal movie and soundtrack, until I saw it on Cinemax that night and taped it and then had the opportunity to kind of watch it over and over and then read the credits and do all that crazy stuff. I didn't really know there was a Ronnie James Dio version of Black Sabbath, but I knew I liked that song from the scene in the movie, Mob Rules. And, and Eve 5150's in the movie too, which is not on the soundtrack. And so I said, well, I kind of want to explore more of that. And so then I found the Mob Rules album and I listened to that a lot before Heaven and Hell. And then I got Live Evil, which is the which is the live album they put out from the '82 tour after they'd done both albums, Vinnie Apice on the drums, and, uh, and and that of course had some of Heaven and Hell on there. But I'm still like, no, Mob Rules is the one. Then finally, when I listen to Heaven and Hell, I'm like, well, this is the real, this is the real article. And 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 the thing is, looking back at it now, Mob Rules does kind of. 
follow the format and the, the play out of the, um, and the track listing of Heaven and Hell. If you take a close look, they're kind of built the same way as far as with the, the chugger at the, the first song and then you take it down a notch and then you end the first side with the title track and then the next, you know, it, it all kind of fell together the same exact way it seemed. And, and that could be a, that could be a Birch deal too. That that's, that's the way that he liked to work. But the, what I've always felt was that Mob Rules sounded much more like a Sabbath record than Heaven and Hell. Like they kind of went back to the more the heavy, you know, mm-hmm. rah, rah, the big, you know, big power chords in there. And uh, it, it's it's not it sounds a lot the same, but it also sounds different too. They definitely put some. They, it, it was almost like they said, "Hey, let's let's kind of revisit the older style again in that one." And Geezer may have been a little more present. It, it seems that Geezer, because he was going through a divorce. Maybe wasn't around as much in the first in on the Heaven and Hell sessions. Could have been. And since we had a new singer anyway, maybe Tony's like, okay, well, let's get someone else in here to do some stuff. One of whom was Jeff Nichols, who was their keyboardist and kind of off stage for years because yeah. you, you couldn't have synthesizers in heavy metal. Yet when you're Black Sabbath, you, you kind of require some synthesizers sometimes. So Jeff would be like <laughs> off stage and played on real records and played with them live for years. And I guess he did some bass. In fact, even he, he died a few years back, but they released posthumously his estate, I guess, him playing the bass on Heaven and Hell because he did the original sessions. Um, and they said, well, then Geezer came back and re-recorded everything. Like, are you sure about that? <laughs> yeah. And then the thing is, too, what did you re-record? Did you, you just re-record it? Even if he did do that, it would have been somebody else's deal. It, it's not Geezer Butler. Right. I mean, yeah, bass Geezer can play anything. So the guy basically wrote, composed this cool bass run. And then you say, okay, well, I'll just do it, do it the same way. All right. That's you playing it, but he made it, right? It was his song. <laughs> right. And then you wonder too, you know, you talked about before, what was, what was Bill Ward like during Heaven and Hell? Again, was it like, uh, uh, just, can we even use him today? Like what's going on? Mm-hmm. Did they have somebody else, you know, for the fill-ins? I mean, that's always the famous story about what was a dynasty with Kiss and no, not dynasty. Uh, well maybe, but, um, Creatures of the Night, where it's like, yeah, Ace is on there, credited, right. but I don't think he played one note on that because he was just finished with everybody. So, right. I mean, who knows? Well, and I know that they they kept Vinny around during the tour. Like, they basically paid Vinny his fee, like five grand a night or something, whatever that was back then. To watch Ten, the show. To Yeah, to sit by and watch the show. <laughs> and if Bill falls over, be ready to run out, you know, or if he refuses to come out or he's in no condition, you're on, baby. And then eventually they just kind of, Bill couldn't do it anymore and Vinny did step right in. But I don't, I don't know if there were some nights where he had to fill in before then or it was just, it got worse and worse and then it was like, yeah, right. Yeah, I, I would imagine that that he was probably hanging around for that the recording thing for the same reason. Like uh, he's not, yeah, he's not showing up today, or he showed up, but <laughs> he's not playing the drums. But it shows you management was like not real concerned about him as a human being. It was like, okay, look, he's allowed to be in the band. If he can play, he can play. If he can't, we're moving him out of here. We got the replacement ready to go. You know, and then when he was gone, we're like, okay, good. Now we only have to pay one drummer. You know. Uh, yeah. yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty harsh. But uh, Un- unfortunately, yeah, you're right. That's that. Yeah, that all we care about is getting this record done. If you can't do it, we'll get somebody else and we'll move on with mm-hmm. the show. Yeah, and, and and unfortunately, I think to this day they still have issues with him. I mean, like they can't they can't get him. The, the Sabbath, like the last tour, he's not even on anymore because they, they couldn't come to an agreement on money or whatever the deal right. was. It's just it's been constant since that time. That's right. And Vinny and, and Vinny is a very good drummer, as is his brother Carmine. I don't know. He he. In some ways, I like what he does better than Bill Ward, and in some ways, what Bill Ward did kind of made it Sabbath. But again, I mean, bands go through lineup changes. All bands, for the most part. And sometimes that can be a good thing. And this is one of the rare instances in the history of rock and roll where the band breaks up, but you actually get two very solid versions. You know, usually the band breaks up and you get one cheap version and one bad version, or one okay version and one wide they leave version. But Ozzy's Blizzard of Oz, classic, classic metal, and, and taking it in a new direction, that L.A. way. And even though I think Sabbath recorded a lot of these albums in L.A., at least part of them. They're finding their own way with Ronnie James Dio and made classic, classic records that they toured on later that have obviously endeared themselves to heavy metal fans. 
And the the kind of the the problem with that too though is when when they got back together. I don't know when that was like the like the late nineties, early two thousands. They start doing the the Sabbath tours again. Mm-hmm. All of this music, unfortunately, got pushed to the side, a la Van Halen with David Lee Roth, because right. Ozzy's not singing any anything close to the Dio stuff. No. So unfortunately, this this stuff hasn't been. And they may have done one or two shows with him. I can't remember. Now. No, 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 man. Look, they Dio they did a couple tours. I saw him a couple times. It, yeah. In 2000, what, 7, 2008, 2009 and there. I got to see them. I got They, they had to tour as Heaven and Hell. They couldn't call themselves Black Sabbath. But it was oh, that's right. Ronnie that's James right. Okay. Dio with Geezer and Tony. And then Vinny was the drummer. And it was great. It was killer because they those four did get back together in the early 90s to do Dehumanizer. And, and it was like, you know what? There's a couple decent tracks over here, but it was like you missed your window. The time had passed. They probably should have stayed together in the early 80s. And then, you know, those early Dio albums could have been even better Black Sabbath albums. Cause, yeah, because that, that, would, that would have been cool. Now, now then, I mean, if you want to go down that rabbit hole, you can spend all day because, according to Vivian Campbell, he and the rest of the guys in the Dio band were heavily involved in writing that music. So who knows? Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, it would, it would have been the same. And then if you look at Ozzy, I mean, let's be real honest, the Blizzard of Oz, that was Randy Rhodes. I mean, Randy was the guy who said, okay, I'm going to, you and me, buddy, we're taking this thing to the next level, but, you know, get on my back and I'll, I'll show you how to do this. Uh, and it turned out to be great. And, you know, the, another thing we want to talk about forever is what Randy would have done had he been able to not be in that stupid plane crash. Yeah, that's a whole other show unto itself, I think. Yeah, correct, correct. But, I mean, I, I think th- I think this comes back to an issue you see over and over and over again is you've got this – You've got this Black Sabbath record, right? That's coming out, Heaven and Hell, and you've mm-hmm. got Black Sabbath fans who can't wait to see this, and they're like, "Wait, this is different." You're going to have people that say, "Well, oh, I don't like this. This doesn't sound like Black Sabbath," and then hopefully you have people that maybe never listened to it before that get, or, you know, who are now coming to an age in 1980 and say, well, "This is fantastic. What are you talking about? I don't, that's right. I don't need the other stuff." So I don't know. I mean, would they would they have been better off changing? But then at the same time, you had this equity of Black Sabbath, the name, and 75% of the people are still there. Let's keep rolling with it. Yeah, that's right. And it gives them the license to go out and play those big songs, the Iron Man, War Pigs, NIB, all the stuff that Paranoid, you know, the really big hits. They don't have to go deep into the catalog. They can do the really big hits from the Ozzy era, but then play a lot of these new songs. But, I mean, you think about, it was really just a couple of years, 1980, 81. They put out the live album in 82, and then they broke up. Dio went on to do fairly well with Dio. Sabbath started to really change some stuff, and Geezer left, and they did the the album Born Again with Ian Gillian. Yes, Ian Gillian came in. and And some people would say it's an underrated record, but it was like, and then, you know, there were so many lineup and changes in Sabbath over the next like dozen years or so. And we're talking like three or four more singers, including Glenn Hughes, the voice of rock. And so just kind of continuing to trade off the Sabbath name while Ozzy became an enormous superstar solo mm-hmm. artist. And, and so did Dio for that matter. And, and he did great um, in the eighties, but, but you know, so we're only talking a moment in time. Sabbath at this point has been around for 50 years. And that was really just a couple of years with a significant lineup change and a not minor lineup change when you talk about changing the drummers for the next album. But it just, it, it connects with people. You know, it, it's why they could do that tour. It's why they could do, give it a chance to Computer God in the early 90s. And I think they did fine with that. You know, they got in the Wayne's World movie and soundtrack. But then they got to do that tour in the 2000s as Heaven and Hell, um, which was great. It was so awesome to see. I was so glad I got to see that. It, it, they sounded amazing. And they had to tour as Heaven and Hell because once they got back together as Black Sabbath, like you said, the reunions in the 90s and then on OzFest in the 2000s and all that, yeah. Sharon made sure that Black Sabbath could only tour under the name Black Sabbath if Ozzy Osbourne was in Sharon. <laughs> yes. Well, and then, okay, let's let's be real honest with Ozzy Osbourne. It was Sharon and Randy who, you know, had guided him through the way. But yes, she had a she had a vice grip on that. And yet, even today, I think that's the deal is that you want to call this Black Sabbath, you have to have Mr. Osborne there piloting the ship for you. And then I guess the deal is that the money is still there. It's lucrative enough for everybody else to say, yes, ma'am, 
will be there. That's for sure. Yeah, but I, I but I think you're right. So if you go back to the discography, you had Heaven and Hell, Mob Rules, and then Born Again in '83. Yeah. And I think Born Again was not Dio, correct? That's Ian Gillen. Yeah. So at that point in time, so now you're on your third lineup change with your third singer. I think by that point, people are like, mm. now you lost me. You had me, and then you lost me. Yeah. Plus, by 1983, Van Halen rules the world. Not 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 Black Sabbath. It's Sunny California. It's not doom and gloom, right? Yeah, and then you've got the other thing. Of, you were talking about the new wave of British heavy metal mm-hmm. and Def Leppard and the guys in Def Leppard. Yeah, they play like heavier music, but they're kind of cute right. and they're from England they're and the guys in Black and, Sabbath. Yeah. They're kind of not cute. No <laughs> offense. You know, and they're yeah, they just they just didn't have the MTV appeal. I think that was the problem too. They couldn't they they couldn't be out in front jumping around and wearing you know yeah. short shorts and stuff like that. So that kind of got pushed back again. Uh, well, I got to tell you, I these are go to albums for me. Anytime I go to a new place, like we go to the beach. We went to Cornwall last summer, and there's a lot of hiking along the shore. And so I said, uh, anytime I go to a new spot. Day one, I whip out Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules, either on the phone or on the iPod. And I go, and it's like, I just get marching, you know? And I just walk, yep. I just, you know, I do it, I don't even think about it. And it's a good, you know, hour and 20 minutes or so. It, it's wonderful. Neon Nights is a great opener to an album. And it doesn't necessarily sound like Black Sabbath, but it's it's a little up-tempo, you know? It's a little bit of a change. And I think that's cool. And it's like, it's you're kicking off the album in a really cool way. Yeah, I wonder too how, how that was received in 1980 by the, the hard Sabbath fans. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is, you know, we need the big, you know, <laughs> right. open chord tuned down yeah it, it's just different it, it, and then to hear Dio sing it's like yeah like this guy's got this? more than two octaves in his range <laughs> yeah yeah and then and then the best part was to see him like what no this this can't be the same guy Who's this little and, guy and every, yeah and every every interview he's always just he always just seemed like this real kind of humble you know oh you know thanks for coming to the show we really appreciate it and I guess, and I guess the thing is too the the story that I heard was like he never ever 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 warmed up like it was like okay time for the show you know you have a you know a cigarette or whatever you need you a quick shot of something and then you're out on the stage it wasn't like he stood in the back and did you know vocal exercises mm. or anything else like that like till the day he did he never ever ever lost it his never talent was, it. was extraordinary and you're right he was very i don't know gracious i guess he was always thanking the fans i i saw him a couple times with heaven and hell i saw him once open for iron maiden get this lineup man it went motorhead dio iron maiden that you needed a nap after that show the time yeah. get pummeled for three and a half hours but you know what i didn't feel it you know i guess i was younger back then but i'm like <laughs> you know because it kept you going because like whoo motorhead holy mackerel all right now all right, I, gotta, I gotta take a break it's like oh it's deal all right yeah i know these songs all right yeah yeah here we go and then and then when maiden's on man you can't help it's an assault of like the lights and the props and the sound and the boys doing their thing and it's and the pyro i mean it's a show it's a spectacle you can't really sit down during iron maiden no anybody sit yeah anybody that even tries to sit you're banished get out hey be sure to check us out on twitter at ugly underscore werewolf. Let us know which albums or artists you would like us to review. And check out all of our past episodes at uglyamericanwerewolf.libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N, dot com. Neon Knights, killer opener. Then comes Children of the Sea, which is another one that kind of starts slow, then it builds. It's one of the more ominous ones. And I think it's one that they had written before Ronnie got there. They tried a very different version of it with Ozzy. They couldn't finish it. They couldn't put it together. And then when Dio and Tony were rehearsing one day, they kind of put it together. They, they kind of finished it. And what you got is a, a what is a, it's a kind of a solid Sabbath tune. Great power from Ronnie on it. Yeah. I'm trying to think about that now, like how that would have sounded with Ozzy. I don't think it would have worked. I mean, they, like you said, they started early, but that is, a, that is forever a Dio song now. It could, you can't go either way. I agree with you there. Lady Evil, you know, this is one I like to sing to the she-wolf once in a while if she's <laughs> giving me a hard time. Uh, she may not know that that's the song. She may think I'm just making it up, but it is, in fact, a Black Sabbath song. I like the, I like the kind of the mid part. You know, Tony, to me, I don't want to say the word has sloppy on his solos, but it feels like he's just, you know, batting up and down a little bit, you know, running up and down. You know, he, 
I wouldn't say directionless, but it's because there is direction, but it's, I don't know. He's the riff master to me. And only a few of his solos really stand out to me in his career. So, yeah, maybe it's a deal, too, where we go back to the producer of the record saying, hey, I know what you used to do, but it's a different age now. People are looking for more. They want to hear, yeah, more solos, and you got to be a little faster, a little you know, a little more razzle-dazzle, and yet maybe out of his comfort zone. He, he is, you know, Mr. Heavy Duty. Again, strings flopping on the ground is tuned so low. Right. That dark, and, and this is just not it. So it could have been that push. Let's take this in a little bit of a different direction. Yeah, but so, I mean, and I don't want to, you know, denigrate a guy who's he's missing two fingers on his left hand, basically, but still plays with them and is doing a heck of a job. But well, yeah. And the dude who in, he made by doing that and then subsequently tuning the guitar down mm-hmm. created heavy metal. I mean, you can't ever That's discount right. Tony Iommi for what he did. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I mean, he, that always kind of upsets me too because he's never put up there with like the guitar guys, but like you said, he is the riff master. Just, uh, I mean, he can go toe to toe with any, he can go toe to toe with James Hetfield any day and you could argue that there would be no Metallica without Black Sabbath and speaking of riffs they closed what was the first side back in the with Heaven and Hell seven yes. minute epic and the riff that people sing you can hear them in stadiums around the world going oh incredible uh, and they, it's one they could stretch out live do it in concert get the crowd into it get them revved up and stretch it out for 10 or 12 minutes or something like that let Dio interact with them and thank them it's all he ever said was thank you thank you for coming thank you for supporting us when I saw him in heaven and hell it was thank you for supporting us in Black Sabbath in our solo careers you know away and apart and all that thank you thank you you, you said it Three times during the night each time. Yeah, and, and, and what I like about that, what, what Heaven and Hell too, is that the, it starts off, right? You get the intro, and then it kind of then it kind of drops way out, and then Dio comes in with you know, sing us a song. And like, wow, that he really takes center stage there. This is not following along. This is all right. Hold my beer. I'm gonna go and blow these people out of the water right now. Right. Absolutely. And then they bring that way down in the middle, you know. And then the bass on this is sick. And I've always said Geezer Butler was a genius and he was fantastic on this album, except now in this research of finding out maybe he didn't play quite as much of it or he didn't write as much of it. That that seems odd to me, but he certainly played it well when I saw him play it. Well, I mean, there you have it then. The, the other kind of problem too is that, not problem, but issue is, you know, the, much research as you can do the only people that really know what happened are at it, you know, in the band. I mean, right. he could have done it. He could have not done it. I don't know. Right. And when know, they were doing this, man, we were like seven, eight, nine years old. You know, even if we were correct. present, we wouldn't know what's going on. So. Well, and it, I mean, you know, this was obviously way before any kind of social media or anything else. So it really was a closed camp. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's just official reports that you can get out of this thing. And, you know, you had to protect these guys, too, I think, a little bit with you didn't want – even if it, even if he wasn't on the album at all, mm-hmm. you kind of wanted to, you know, oh, there's a problem. No, 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 no problem, no problem. Just, yeah. just you know, we got the album out. Don't worry about it. That's right. You know, he's going through a divorce, so he couldn't be there every single day. Come on. Get the guys some slides, right. you know. Yeah, but Heaven and Hell, epic song. Yeah. A total classic, amazing riff. How they come back in and just hammer it. Great. And of course, you know, the subject matter, heaven and hell, hey, it's something right. we all face every day, right? Correct. And and very Black Sabbath E. Absolutely. Know, the, throwing that in there, yeah. If there ever was one. All right. Um, and then they come back with Wishing Well. Again, great bass on here. Whoever played it or whoever wrote it. Fantastic. Love it. Boom, boom. Um, and Ronnie's doing great here. Some great lyrics on here. And it's kind of a, a single kind of a song, almost. Yeah. Kind of upbeat. Um, not too long. You know, like Neon Nights. I like it. But Die Young, right after it. Classic, classic song. So good. What do you feel about that one? I think it's a great song. but And, and I guess I really hadn't... I had never put two and two together about the Martin Birch deal, but going back and listening to it for this show, I'm like, wow, that sounds like, that sounds like Dave Murray. It sounds like Dave Murray playing that solo for Maiden. Like that's, that has to be, that can't be a coincidence. I mean, it's a great song, but it definitely has the Maiden touch mm. to it. So, but you know, it's a, it's a great song and, and it's a definitely a departure for Iomi for his soloing. It's, it's faster, it's, 
more intricate than he usually plays, but it sounds great. I mean, it fits in with the song. It really does. I mean, it's. I think it's a, a, an amazing song for them. Never get tired of hearing that one. Then you get to walk away. If I had to pick a weak spot, maybe that's one. Again, there's some good good bass work on there, but it's not as memorable because then the next song, last song, Lonely is the Word, to me, is an amazing song. Amazing, heavy, Black Sabbath, Ronnie James Dio song, man. And, and again, you know, that Black Sabbath kind of overtone of Lonely is, you know, Lonely in the World. Like, it's just like that heavy, like... Yeah, Black Sabbath. Yeah. So maybe they took Walk Away and just said, well, we're just going to have to slide this in. Not the end, but almost the end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the lyrics on Lonely is the word. I've been higher than Stardust. I've been seen upon the sun. Man, great, great metal stuff there. Used to count yeah. millions. Yeah. Great stuff. And great way to end an album. Again, we've talked about this before. Sometimes you just have to fill a space and you let the album peter out. But some people know that there's kind of a rhythm to how you put the album together. And you want to close strong, Correct. right? Yeah. And you close yeah, you don't, yeah, you don't want people like, you know, yeah, you don't want to have the deal with like, yeah, I'm going to listen to the first side of that. Or yeah, the first side and then the first song and then I turn it off. Yeah, no, you want to have somebody hanging there for the whole thing. Listen to it start to finish. This is how we put it together. This is how it's supposed to be. Now, apparently Heaven and Hell was fairly easy or fun, to use the word, album to record, you know, they were in better shape because look, the guys have been in rotten shape for a long time. I think they all loved the white stuff. Maybe <laughs> maybe not Ronnie as much as Tony, my goodness. And I'm sure Geezer, you know, Bill was very fond of it and obviously Ozzy was. So that plus all the alcohol, they were not in a great state of mind. So, you know, to get a nice change going, I think they, they made the record together fairly well. Apparently, Mob Rules was a much harder birth. Yeah, and, and I think I think maybe for, for Heaven and Hell, it could have been a deal where they either themselves sat down or with management or whatever and said, okay, listen, you've been kind of, it's been a little rocky here for the last couple records. We know you weren't getting along with Ozzy. He wasn't getting along with you. He's gone now. This is a chance to start over. We really need to. We need to come together and make this record. Right. And then perhaps once that wore off, then it was like, oh, the problems start to come back. And it starts to, you know, everybody just starts to grind on each other. I mean, mm -hmm. like, like you said, Bill Ward's not on this record. At this point in time, they just said, we cannot do this anymore. Yeah. But, but you know, still, it's still a great record. And, you know, they made it a year later, you know, and after touring on it, uh, on the Heaven and Hell they came back and made this. It's amazing to think. And they were a big band. You know, Led Zeppelin didn't make an album a year tour and then have a next album out, you know, for since 1971 or something like that. You know, they would take years off all the time. Sabbath was of their ilk, maybe not selling records, but certainly touring they could they could pull it off. My goodness, they, they cranked it out. And even under the new management, 1980 album tour, 81 album Tour into 82, band breaks up, but you get the live album out of it. And then hey, at 83, they're on to the next singer, right? It's it's insane to me when I go back and look at the discography here about, you're right. I mean, we had 70, 71, 72, 3, 5, 6, 8, 1980, 81. Just the amount of time. I mean, could you imagine putting together Heaven and Hell, going out on tour, Basically, I mean, I guess when you're on tour, you've got to work on the next one because you know when you get back, the, the record company's going to be like, gimme, 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 to go back and do it all over again. Yeah, I mean, and then, oh, by the way, everybody loves cocaine and <laughs> you're having, you know, issues in your own life, family issues. I mean, it's it, the amount of work they put in is, is crazy because you're right, Zeppelin wasn't doing that. Yeah. Uh, other bands, they took, you know, extended tours and then time off to recharge. These guys really didn't. And I read Tony Iommi's autobiography, you know, and trying to extricate themselves from Don Arden, Sharon's dad, who screwed them over as a manager for all those many years, was incredibly expensive. It took such a long time. And so they basically continued to have to tour so they could have money coming in to pay lawyers. I mean... They live pretty good lives, I think, but they weren't mega rich to be like, all right, we earned a year off, or let's just take six months, we'll go down to the Bahamas and see if anything, you know, pops out or whatever. They they had to work. I, I'm pretty sure Sabbath was one of those tales of, you know, wait a minute, why am I living in this little apartment and the guys that, the management guys all are driving, you know, Bentleys and living in huge castles in the countryside well that's because you're not getting paid anything sir well actually so, yeah, that's right. the thing that apparently the story was the south guys were living in nice big houses in the countryside and had rolls royces 
and they were all under management's name, you know? So, okay, okay, yeah. yeah. So you lived there, but you didn't actually own anything. Right. Yeah, maybe, and maybe that was the thing, too, is, oh, no, 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 don't worry about it, don't worry about it. We, you know, don't worry about money. We'll get you all this other stuff. So, yeah, you were living this artificial bubble. It just proves you need to have good management, kids. That's like, right. Pass on anything to you. Make sure you get good management. But, yeah, it, like I said, the amount of the amount of work that, that takes and the toll that it takes on your body. Listen, I understand – Go playing in front of thousands of people has got to be awesome. I can only, I can't imagine that. But the point A to point B is just grueling. Like, so wait a minute, I got to get off the stage. I got to get on a bus and drive and do this tomorrow again. That is correct. Go yeah, on. these days these bands will take two, three, four days off between gigs. You know, back then you would do five or six gigs in a week. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you're not, this is not like the private plane. I mean, yeah, you probably, I mean, by this point in time, they probably had decent, you know, motor coaches or whatever, but still you had to put the miles in, you know, driving from point A to point B all night. I mean, mm. this wasn't a vacation by any stretch of the imagination. And then, you know, you get those hours on the road where it's like, hmm, what am I going to do? Cocaine? <laughs> well, all right, since we're all here, sure. <laughs> and again, I've got to, I mean, that, that's the other thing too is, you know, I, I just blew myself out last night. You got to do it again. Well, I'm going to need a little help. Okay. Right. Help is on the way. That's right. The doctor well, is in. Yeah. yeah correct. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't even imagine, but, but back to, back to mob rules. It, it does sound like they, they kind of, they, they took a little bit of a right turn with heaven and hell. And then they kind of came back to more of the classic Sabbath sound on mob rules. Although follow me here a little bit, because I, I do think they line up together. So, the great opener okay. on Heaven and Hell, which I love, Neon Nights, do, 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 kind of a chugger. And then the opener to Mob Rules, Turn Up the Night, do, 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 I mean, it's it's kind of the same, you know, and it's it's an upbeat song. It's got some nice stuff from Tony in it. I like it. But then you say, okay, yeah, so that's their opener. Great. I think Voodoo, the second track is really awesome and yeah. very sabbathy right the, the whole notion of voodoo but sign of the southern cross is kind of epic and when i when they played it live i i, I got way into it you know i was throwing my guitar shapes around I'm like oh man this is heavy duty this is good stuff well and if i'm if i'm looking at this correctly too well no heaven and hell was 659 that's a seven minute kind of really you know you can you can kind of really get into it in seven minutes and 46 seconds it's mm -hmm. not that's not a single it's not an ep it's more of a rocker yeah you get into it and and really crank it and then into into e5150 which is a instrumental which is and kind of an intro to yeah, me yeah you know e5150 and mob rules because there's no break in the songs right it goes from one directly into the other so you can kind of put them together. It's kind of like on Diver Down, there's this weird thing called Intruder that evolves into Pretty Woman. And usually on the radio, they play both together because, again, there's no break between them. It just kind of folds right into the next one. And and so those are, you know, it's kind of the same song. So, but so actually, speaking of that, it is... If you if you hear one without the other, like if you hear Oh Pretty Woman without a truth, you're like, hey, wait a minute, what's wrong with this? Exactly. Just, we just went straight into Pretty Woman. Yeah. What's that? Exactly. Yeah. And so and so then you look at okay, there are four songs on Heaven and Hell. There's five on the first side of Mob Rules. But if you put fifty one fifty and Mob Rules together, then there's four. You're back. And, yeah. And then you four, you're right? ending it with the title track, both of which are over six minutes long. So once you put together E5150 and Mob Rules versus Heaven and Hell. So, you know, there's a little bit of, yeah, it's all kind of fitting together the same way there, right? Yeah, and, and that's a, that, could be a, that could be a producer thing, too, where he's like, yeah, this worked. Let's, let's try this again. This was very popular. We're going we're gonna to make people feel, I want to say comforted, but you feel like there's a formula. Formula worked once. Let's try it it's again. It's familiar, right? It's like, yes, you, you, correct. I've heard this and I like it. Yeah. yeah, but the Mob Rule song and its use in the movie Heavy Metal, the animated Heavy Metal, is perfect. You know, the mob is assaulting the city with the arrows and the flamethrowers and the bats and all the nasty nastiness of the world. It just fits in there perfect. Yeah, and and it's it's interesting to hear. Yeah, the same thing too for when you watch that scene hearing Dio's vocals. That also it just it fits too. Yeah, the whole thing. I don't know who put that together, but that was. Fantastic in the movie. Well, I think Irving Azoff was, select in, that song. Yeah, was in charge of the sound. But great way to wrap up the first side. And then, yeah, you get into Country Girl, which is a little bit slower. Maybe not my favorite. But it's, uh, you know, it, it fits in. I mean, it's it's kind of part of it. It's, it, it, it just doesn't stand out that much to me. Yeah, the same thing. It's... It, it, 
it's not bad, but it's, you know, you could, if you were going to skip, probably wouldn't hurt your feelings. Right. It's, it's like Walk Away, although I think Walk Away from Heaven and Hell is better. It's, it's kind of one that I, I could kind of do without. Slipping Away, again, has some killer bass in it. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's kind of impressive. It's a shorter one, but it, it's not bad. To me, though, Falling Off the Edge of the World, this is a fantastic song. And again, bringing up your point, Jackson, working with Martin Birch, who is also working with Mage, Falling Off the Edge of the World could easily be an Iron Maiden song now that you bring that up. I, I, mean, I mean, you know, it kind of tells a story, goes slowly, and then it gets up to the gallop, right? That, that's what I thought. I mean, it starts off, it's very, like I said, it's very Planet Caravan sounding, like that, you know, the mysterious boom, boom, boom. But yeah, once they get into it, I'm like, that is the, that's the Steve Harris gallop. And it's, I mean, it works in the song, it sounds great, but it, if you if you took that part of it off, obviously take the Dio vocals out and just played that, I'd say, no, that's that's Maiden. That's Harris Maiden playing that. Right. So I think that was a producer, you know, fingers on that one too. Knowing that he was on both of those records, Birch, I'm like, hmm, interesting. Very interesting. Put your touch on there. And we do say goodbye to Martin Birch on our uh, Year in Rock 2020 episode. Uh, where we, because there were some serious deaths in the rock world last year, and and I would include him as one of them. And I'm, I hope he enjoyed his retirement because it sounds like he was retired for a pretty good long time, you know, from the mid '90s till last year. Maybe too bad we didn't get more great records from him. I don't know. But yeah, and and I think too, it's a it's a you know he he was so he worked so much for so long that I think he had just gotten to the point where he said. Eh. Sorry, but yeah, it would have been nice to have like one more, you know, especially like a Maiden record down the line to to just have him send off. But yeah, he definitely left behind a great catalog of stuff. Okay, and then you end the record with Over and Over. This one to me seems like they're tired, right? It, 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 it's, it's like, you know, we were psyched about the last record. We did great on it. We did a big tour. We'll be working hard on this thing. And it's like, uh, <laughs> you know, they kind of, and, and look, and there's even, look, I don't dislike the song. I, like I said, Country Girl registers less with me than this one does. But it's kind of like, this is the end of the record and the end of Ronnie James Dio, basically, in the band. It's kind of like, this is the fade away, right? Yeah, very different. I mean, if you were comparing one to the other, very different than Lonely on Heaven and Hell. Not Not the same not the same vibe there and i mean i don't know they they had just finished the record i don't know maybe if they thought i mean obviously they didn't know that was gonna be the end of dio but i don't know it, it was just you're right just they kind of one of those guys where you see like they're they're getting to the finish line in the marathon they kind of they stop for a minute and maybe lay down and eventually make it over the line you did it but just there now part of the reason we're doing this now is there's a 40th anniversary of these two albums coming out here shortly not so far away from the 30th anniversary versions that came out about 10 years ago, 11 years ago at this point, where they did throw in some singles, but, you know, of course, and then Heaven Hell's Deluxe Edition included, yeah, live from Hartford in 80, about, you know, four or five songs there, plus some B-sides and stuff like that. I think the new ones are a lot more robust, available from Rhino Records, have a little bit more live stuff, stuff that wasn't released in the U.S. before, stuff that wasn't released ever before in some cases. So I'm a sucker. Here's the thing. <laughs> they, they talk about the days of Napster, how so many bands got ripped off. And I'll tell you, I did in the days of Napster and all that stuff, I did record Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules. I put them on one disc because I could fit them in there and like, 79 minutes and 52 seconds on an 80 minute CD and I listened to them over and over and over and because of that I did buy both the records eventually I did buy both the 2010 deluxe editions and I got a pretty good feeling that by March 5th or thereabouts I'm going to get the new 40th anniversary editions because I'm a fool but when you love something like that when you've got they're not making any more Ronnie James Dio Black Sabbath records and they're not making any more from that era I mean look they made Computer God they made The Devil You Know and they, a couple of them had some good songs on them but it just wasn't the same this moment in time the way music was made the way they were in their careers I don't know it all just strikes a chord to me that is very relevant to this day and I think too if you are the kind of person who you love Black Sabbath but maybe you never got into the Dio records for whatever reason either that was past your prime or whatever mm -hmm. 
you're definitely missing out because especially these two, I mean, you could almost listen to them as one big record because they were so close together. Um, And I do it all the time. I do it all the time. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just, like I said, if you're, if you don't listen to this, you are missing out because it's one of those things where, okay, now I understand it's not Ozzy. It's not the original. Just take black Sabbath out of your mind. Call it something else. Call it heaven and hell. Main street USA. I don't care. Yeah. Call it (laughs) heaven and hell. If there are great records, they, the the musicianship is great, the singing is great, the production is great. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what they do on on the deluxe versions, and and even if they don't put a whole bunch of new stuff on there, the fact that they can go back and remaster it because mm-hmm. let's face it, in 1980 and 81, you know, it was all analog tape. It, you know, you got what you got. You can clean it up a little bit, but you know, once it was on the tape, that was it. Now they can go back and just do anything to it. it. This needs this needs to be preserved because they don't they just don't make stuff like this anymore. Sorry, kids of today. Yeah, you're not going to hear stuff like this. <laughs> So that's the story of our relationship with Ronnie James Dio in Black Sabbath. And some of you are still wondering, well, why did they break up? How did it all kind of end? Well, when they were mixing Live Evil, the live album, off the end of the Mob Rules tour, apparently they couldn't agree with what should be in the mix and what shouldn't be. And maybe Geezer and Tony would mix it one way, and then Ronnie would come into the studio when they weren't there, and they would he would redo it his own way. And then when he would leave, they would come in, and they would totally undo what he did and then do it back their own way. So you know there was some bad blood there. Plus, I remember a story from Ronnie James Dio where he called up Geezer Butler to say, hey, you know, when are we going to get together and be writing the new album? To which Geezer replied, we? So Dio knew his days in Black Sabbath were numbered. But that's okay because he was going to go hook up with Vivian Campbell and some of those guys to make some great Dio albums in the early to mid-80s there. Now, obviously, I'm going to tell you Go out and get Heaven and Hell. Go out and get Mob Rules. And maybe get the deluxe albums that come out here at the beginning of March. But also check out Dehumanizer. I referred to it a couple of times as Computer God throughout the episode. But that was one of the songs off there that came out in the early 90s. And you can also check out The Devil You Know, which is the one they got back together and made basically when they were touring under the name Heaven and Hell. There's also The Dio Years, which is the best of, if you can only afford the one record, maybe start there. But The Rules of Hell is basically an all-encompassing box set of all the Ronnie James Dio stuff when he was in Black Sabbath. So those who catch on and really love it, hey, go check that out. And of course, Live Evil is a great live album. They also have Live at Hammersmith Odeon, and I think a lot of that is what you're going to get with these new reissues. So thanks for tuning in, everybody, and let me know, hey, is there an album you want to hear more about? Is there a band you want us to cover? Did we mess something up? Did we miss the point? Did we get something wrong? Did we get something right that you liked? Hey, let us know. Follow us on Twitter. We're at ugly underscore werewolf, or check out our previous episodes at uglyamericanwerewolf.libsyn.com. Next week, we're going to tackle Iron Maiden's live classic, Live After Death, that they made on the immortal Power Slave tour in the mid-80s. Until then, everybody out there, be cool and stay safe. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com 
code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 